Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin I'm lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name Morning grew quiet, my feet rose to death when death was arrested and my life began, oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. Redeemed from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame's a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made me new, now life begins with you. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoices, though heaven had lost. But then Jesus rose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace again. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new, now life begins with you. Oh, we're free, free forever, amen. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free. Free forever, amen. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, we're free, free forever, we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever, amen. When death was arrested, my life began. When death was arrested, my life began. When death was arrested, my life began. Who can tell me what scripture we're in? Psalm 23. 
But before we get started with that, this is Memorial Day weekend, <clears throat> and I want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about Memorial Day. Uh, as I was doing some reading this week, <coughs> excuse me, I, I ran across an article from USA Today from last year, and I was going to read the first paragraph of it. It says, no, Memorial Day isn't about a long weekend road trip, backyard barbecue, or sales. The real meaning of the national holiday is much more somber. Originally called Decoration Day, Monday's holiday honors all soldiers who died during service to the nation. Memorial Day was declared a national holiday through an act of Congress in 1971, and its roots date back to the Civil War era, according to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Unlike Veterans Day, Memorial Day honors all military members who have died while serving in U.S. forces. So it is a somber holiday. Uh, I, I see posts a lot of times, and I hear people say, Happy Memorial Day, and I understand what they're saying. But in reality, Memorial Day is not a happy day. Uh, Memorial Day is a somber day. Memorial Day is a day of remembrance as we remember those who have given their lives in defense of the freedom that we enjoy here in America, or even in defense of other countries who also want to enjoy freedom. And so I, I can never say Happy Memorial Day. I can say Blessed Memorial Day, uh, but not happy, because there are families out there that will be grieving tomorrow because they have lost sons and daughters to some warfare at some time. There are some quotes that I ran across that I want to just uh, share with you also. The, the first quote is from uh, Lucian Adams. The legacy of brave men and women who have fought and died for their country is the freedom we enjoy as Americans. Gary Wetzel said, Think about the past to consider the sacrifices men and women in the military have made for us. And then John F. Kennedy on Memorial Day of 1962 said, Americans may not only pay tribute to our honored dead, but also unite in prayer for success in our search for a just and lasting peace. Tamara Bolton said, This is the day we pay homage to all those who didn't come home. This is not Veterans Day. It's not a celebration. It is a day of solemn contemplation over the cost of freedom. And lastly, Ronald Reagan said, And if words cannot repay the debt we owe these men, Surely with our actions, we must strive to keep faith with them and with the vision that led them to battle and to final sacrifice. We can never say thank you enough to the families who have lost loved ones while serving in battle for our country. But we can at least try to remember that this weekend. Sure, we will have those traveling. Sure, we will have cookouts. Sure, we will have family gatherings. But at the heart of all of that is remembering the real reason for Memorial Day, that someone shed their blood and died so that we can yet be free. Do any of you have any family members who have uh, died during conflicts while serving in the military? Any, anyone in here? It's not as common as it used to be. I mean, after World War II uh, and, and after Vietnam, uh, it was really common, but 
it's not as common as it was, but there's still congregations meeting today where the, they will be family members who know the pain of losing a son or a daughter or a mother or a father in battle. So for a moment, I want us just to pray for those families today and ask God that he would be real and near to them, give them strength, and also pray for our nation. As many of these quotes alluded to, the only way we can really give thanks truly to these men and women who have died is by doing what's right in America, by, by preserving our freedoms, by, by living that American dream. And so let's pray as we contemplate this. Father, many in my family served in the military. Thankfully, they all returned home safely. And for that, I thank you. But I know that's not true for every family. And for those families today who still feel the bitter pain of losing a loved one in warfare, may you be there to comfort them. May you wrap your arms around them. May you encourage them. And Lord, may we never forget the great price paid for freedom by our soldiers. That this freedom has been paid for through blood and sacrifice over all of these years. And may we as Americans do our part to keep America free. To do our part to lead America in the right direction to do the right thing. Lord, that's how we truly honor those who gave their lives and I pray that you'd help us, that we would do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Psalm 23, verse 3, but before we read that one verse, I want to read all six verses. Last week I read it in the Amplified Version. Today I'm going to read it in the, the beloved King James Version. And it really does sound sweet in the King James Version. So listen as I read Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. It will be on the screen also. Uh, the, starting with verse 1 it says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in the ESV, we will read verse 3, and I hope you have noticed that the ESV and the KJV read so close together, so very similar. And in verse 3 of Psalm 23 in the ESV, it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The psalmist continues to describe his shepherd in this verse of Scripture. As you read this verse along with the first two verses of Psalm 23, I think you can sense the all, the love, and the respect that the psalmist has for his shepherd. It begins in verse 1 where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. He is immediately pointing to him and referring to him and referring to his greatness. Remember now, the psalmist is writing this psalm from the viewpoint 
of a sheep. And I've already shared with you what it means to be a sheep. A sheep is defenseless and weak and needy and dumb. I mean, when somebody says you are just a sheep, it's not really a compliment. In today's society, if they say you're just a sheep, that means you're just following someone blindly. Uh, you hear this in a political arena all the time, that, that they're just sheep falling blindly behind whoever that leader may be. Well, in Scripture, Psalm 23 says that we are sheep ourselves, and it's crucial to keep reminding ourselves that as sheep, that we have a great need for a good shepherd. Not just a shepherd, but for a good shepherd. And here's why. Sheep who has been left on, on its own, they, they would not last very long. A sheep left to itself would either starve to death, fall off a cliff, be eaten by wild animals, or die from a disease. Sheep cannot survive on their own. They're not like a, a dog. They're not like a, a lion. They're, they're not like a bear. They're not like a wolf or a coyote. They, they're, they're not even like a squirrel or a rabbit. They, sheep rely upon their shepherd. Without the shepherd, there is no future for that sheep. It is a necessity to have a good shepherd. Well, this psalmist is used to reveal that as believers, we're just like sheep. Now, I'm going to make y'all feel so good. We're just dumb, defenseless, weak, and needy. Do y'all feel dumb, defenseless, weak, and needy? In a spiritual sense. You, you're probably pretty smart in every other way. But I know myself, I find myself very often being a sheep. Pretty dumb, defenseless, weak, and needy when it comes to spiritual matters. Just like sheep are in a physical sense. So this verse is trying to help us to understand just how kind our good shepherd is. And the title is The Shepherd's Kindness. And I want to examine his kindness in light of this one verse of scripture. And I'm going to do so under three different headings. And hopefully that we can see clearly the kindness of the Good Shepherd. The first heading is the personal pronouns used. Now, this is not an English class, and I am definitely not an English specialist, but I do know what personal pronouns are. How many of y'all know what personal pronouns are? Yeah, 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 we, we understand personal pronouns. Well, all through the 23rd Psalm, there are personal pronouns that are used. And in verse 3, I want to just call your attention to them. For, for he and his, my and me. Those are the personal pronouns that are used. It says in verse 3, he. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that's the he and the his. Now, what about the my and the me? He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But when you read this verse of Scripture and you emphasize these personal pronouns and you begin to contemplate them, that they should <clears throat> help you to understand more about the kindness of the shepherd. Number one, there is a contrast that is made in these personal pronouns. Between he and his and my and me, there is a great contrast. 
It is on the opposite ends of the spectrum. He and his refers to holy, righteous, mighty God. All-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. When the psalmist begins in verse 1, the, the Lord, Elohim, is my shepherd. He, he begins there revealing the greatness of his shepherd. He's talking about who he is. And, and in this verse of Scripture, in verse 3, we, we can see this contrast between the, the all-knowing, all-loving, all-present God to the lowest and the weakest of all. The, the pronouns of my and me, well, the psalmist is using them to refer to himself, but he is referring to himself as being a sheep. And so on one end of the spectrum, we have holy God, righteous, holy God. The other end of the spectrum, we have a dumb, defenseless, weak, needy sheep. That's a contrast, if I've ever seen one, from the greatest to the weakest. Well, not only the contrast, but the compassion. As I look at these personal pronouns, I think about the, the compassion that is revealed here. The, the compassion is this. His status is being God Almighty. His status is being all-knowing, all-seeing, all-being. All His status of, of being the greatest of all does not keep him from having compassion on the weakest of all. His sheep. It's not unusual in in, in human uh, relationships that when someone becomes great and mighty, they often look down on the lesser, and they don't have a lot of compassion for them. They they don't have much love for them. That they they look at them sometimes with disdain and think, well, who are they? Because look at me, I have arrived, I, I've made money, I, I've got a great job, I've got a great house, I've got a great family, I, I've, I've accomplished all of this, and so who are these little people over here? And they lose their compassion for them. That should never happen, especially in the Christian life. Because great God, in the beginning, the creator of this world, the great God, who is the sustainer of this world, the great God who is part of the Godhead, the Trinity, the, the great God is listening and contemplating and thinking about dumb, defenseless, needy sheep. He is compassionate. So when I look at these personal pronouns, I, I don't just see English. I don't just see grammar. I see the contrast between the greatest to the lowest, and I see the compassion that the greatest has towards the lowest. So that's the first heading, the personal pronouns that are used. The second heading is what is happening. What, what is taking place in this verse of Scripture? It says, He restores my soul. So the first thing that's taking place here is restoration. Now, we, we know from verse 2, it talks about lying down in green pastures. It talks about being led beside the still waters. We discussed week before last what that meant, what, what God was doing and how God was feeding and how God was providing for them and how this relates to the Christian life as far as Bible reading and the Holy Spirit and, and between Bible and, and the Holy Spirit, how that God nourishes us and, and feeds us. Well, 
All of that leads to the fact in verse 3 that he restores my soul. Now, to understand what this refers to as far as sheep go, I'll, I'll use a term for sheep that I'm sure none of us have ever heard and never been familiar with because none of us are sheep herders, are we? Any of y'all have a herd of sheep? I don't think we have any sheep herders around here. I don't think there's even any in the upstate. Uh, that Wes says that there's a sheep herder. Yeah. Well, cast sheep. Do, do you know that term, cast sheep? Cast sheep is the term that shepherds use to, to refer to a sheep who is on its back and can't get up. You've seen a You've seen a bug get on its back before, haven't you? Especially like an old roach bug. You, you see that old roach roll over on its back and trying to get up. What's it doing? Man, this is going to look good online, isn't it? I'm a roach on my back, and I'm a, I'm a digging the air trying to get up. But can that roach get up by itself once it's flipped over on its back? It can't. Neither can a cast sheep. So what causes a cast sheep? Several things can lead to it. One can be where that sheep lays down. It can lay down in a, in a uh, depression that leads it to roll over and lose its balance and end up on its back. And in that depression, that sheep is just clawing at the air and can't go anywhere. Another thing that can cause the sheep to be a cast sheep is the wool is long and heavy, and it's got all kind of, uh, it has fecus in it, and it has all kind of vegetation in it from where it has been on the ground and where it has gone to. And, and it gets so heavy that it just pulls the sheep down and it just rolls over. And another thing that causes a sheep to be cast is it's just fat. I know that's not politically correct, talk about anything being fat, but the sheep gets chunky. A, a chunky sheep just has a hard time getting around. And a chunky sheep will just fall down and roll over. And if it gets on its back, well, there again, it's just pawing at the air. Now, from what I've read and studied about this, once that sheep is on its back, gases begin to build up in the intestines, and it begins to be hard to breathe. And if that sheep stays on its back for very long, you know what that sheep's going to do? It's going to die. So, so in the New Testament, it talks about that he left the 99 to go looking for the one. That is a picture of a shepherd. The shepherd knows how many sheep that he has. He knows each sheep. And daily, almost hour by hour, he is searching for those sheep and making sure all of those sheep are accounted for. And if they're not, then he leaves those who are healthy on their feet and goes looking for the one who is on its back, that cast sheep that can't get up. And when the shepherd finds that cast sheep, he will lovingly put his arms under that sheep, get that sheep back up on its feet. But if that sheep has been down for any length of time, it will stumble and fall again. And again, the shepherd has to raise that sheep up. And while he's doing so, he's rubbing the legs and getting the feeling back into the legs and helping that sheep to regain its composure again. 
And you may go through this two or three or four times until the sheep is able to finally stand on its own and able to walk on its own. And the shepherd does this over and over and over with his sheep. And every time he finds that cast sheep, and he helps that sheep back to its feet and helps that sheep to be able to go and join the, the flock again. Every time he does so, he is restoring that sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been some times in my life I've been that sheep dead on my back, spiritually. I, 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 I'm at my wits end. I'm, I'm not doing very well, and I need some help, and I can't help myself. And do you know who comes along to help me usually? That good shepherd. He knows his sheep, and he keeps an eye on his sheep. He watches over his sheep, and he does what needs to be done to help his sheep to get back on their feet again. He often does so through the green grass and the still water, through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us. And helps us get back up again. So when the psalmist is talking about this restoration. He's helping us spiritually get back on our feet. We all fail at some point spiritually. There's never been a believer who did not fail spiritually. You take the apostle Peter and his bold bragging self. I will never deny you. What did he do? He denied him. But God yet used him. The greatest of us can fall. So what is happening in verse 3? Number one, there's restoration taking place. But number two, there's leading taking place. <clears throat> he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness or rightness. He leads me the right path. Now for the shepherd... That shepherd leads his flock of sheep. And that shepherd, if he's a good shepherd, he is going to think about where he is leading his sheep to. He's going to lead them the easiest path that he knows to get to the destination. Why? Well, sheep are not very physical. Sheep get tired quickly. Sheep have no sense of direction. I mean, he, he wants an easy path to get the sheep to where they're going to graze. He, he wants the safest path. A sheep cannot fight for himself. He, he cannot fight off any wild animal. He cannot fight off anything. He has no defense mechanism within him. And so the shepherd is like, I want an easy path, and I want a safe path, and I want the shortest path possible to get my sheep to the grazing land so that they don't lose weight, so that they stay healthy, so that they are still in prime shape. I, I want to make sure that will lead them along the right path. Sounds a lot like God with us. He wants to lead us along the right path. And how often do we look at God and say, that ain't the path I want to be on? No, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to walk that way. I don't want to go there. I want to be a dumb, defenseless, needy sheep and make my own mind up and do it my own way. If you be honest, you've all done that. I've done it. And if we're honest, it doesn't usually turn out too well, does it? When we decide on our own, this is what God wants me to do. Well, did God say that? 
This is where God wants me to go. Well, did, did God say that? We, we blame a lot of stuff on God that God had nothing to do with. We just decide we don't want to walk this path. I've shared with y'all already how that God called me to preach it and how that I wanted nothing to do with that. And, and I didn't want God's path. Lord, have mercy. No, I didn't want God's path. I wanted my path. I wanted to do what I wanted to do, not what he wanted me to do. But God is always leading his children, his sheep, every day. It's just a matter of do we listen. The third heading, the reason for such kindness. Why is the shepherd so kind to his sheep? Well, this verse tells us, for his name's sake. Would you agree with me that in modern society of America, everybody thinks it's all about them? It's all about me. What makes me feel good, what makes me happy, what I want to do. I, I believe in individualism. I believe we should all be individuals and we should all live the way God created us to be. But we can take individualism to the extreme where that we can begin to say, I am just going to do everything that I want to do for me so that I can be happy. If we could sit down with a lot of the stars in Hollywood and they'd be honest with us and some, some of them will, you did everything you wanted to do in motion pictures. You did everything you wanted to do in acting. You've made all of this money. You've got all of this fame. How do you feel? And a great number will say, empty. Still searching. Still looking for fulfillment. Still, still looking for something that gives me purpose in life. See, they, they've lived their life. It's all about them. And it's not just Hollywood that we see that. We see that even in the pews of churches. It's all about me. It's what I want. So many church fights end up being over what individuals want. This one says, I want yellow. This one says, I want pink. This one says, I want up. This one says, I want down. This one says, I want right. This one says, I want left. And I say, well, what does God want? My individual wants and desires pale when compared to what gods are now i don't know that god really cares what color anything is but that's just an example of where we go to in church life we think it's all about us well this verse of scripture says that the shepherd has a reputation to uphold a shepherd was known as whether he was a good shepherd or a bad shepherd based upon what his flock looked like. If the flock was well-fed, good, good wool, content, then everybody would say, look at that shepherd. He's a good shepherd. Look at the sheep. But if the sheep were scraggly and puny and messy wool and, and flies and parasites all over them the people would say oh my he's not much of a shepherd look at him oh look at his sheep 
look how pitiful they are. They're so sickly looking. So a shepherd, especially during the days of Christ and, and during the days of Psalms, a shepherd knew that he was going to be judged by his peers by the way his sheep looked it and acted. And so he wanted to make sure that they were healthy. Sickly sheep would tarnish his reputation. But healthy sheep would speak of his care and provision. They would look upon that shepherd as one who led that flock, who protected that flock, provided for that flock, who went out and found the, the cast sheep and got them back on their feet or rescued them over a cliff with his staff and pulled them back up. They would look at that shepherd and say, he is a good shepherd. Especially if they knew that a certain sheep had to be rescued multiple times. Philip Keller in the book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, writes about one of the sheep that he had and how often that sheep would become cast. That he had to continually watch for that one sheep. He was going to be out of town, so he had his oldest son to take careful note of that one sheep. Because that sheep was also expecting a baby lamb. And if that sheep died, not only did the sheep die, but the baby it was carrying died also. So on multiple occasions, they rescued that same sheep. And in the end, that sheep birthed two lambs. They received their reward for what they had done to take care of that one sheep over and over and over. Oh my, do you see the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives? How many times has He had to rescue us over and over and over and over? How many times has He had to come to us at home or come to us on our job or come to us in church and say, let me help you. Let, let me rescue you. Let, let me care for you. And, and he does it because he wants to help us. And he wants us to be fulfilled. But more than anything, we represent him. And the world looks at us, if we say that we are believers, we say we are Christians, the world will look at us and determine what kind of shepherd our God is based on how we live, the way we act, what we say, where we go, and what we do. And if we are living like the world and out there living in the world, they will look at us and think, well, his shepherd or her shepherd, not much to that shepherd. Look at the way they're living. We are weak, sick, dumb, defenseless, needy sheep. And he keeps coming to us to rescue us, showing us kindness for our benefit, but more than anything, for his reputation. So that the world will know that he really is a good shepherd. See, it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about him. 
And that's the reason he comes to us and shows kindness to us. Doesn't someone else's kindness towards you make you feel special? Have you ever had somebody to do some kind deed for you, a, say a kind word to you, give you a kind gift of some kind? But doesn't that make you feel special? Or when you are showing kindness to others, does it give you a good, warm feeling? Does it make you feel good when you have been kind to someone? It doesn't matter if they deserve your kindness or not. You just know you have been kind to them. And that kindness may be that you don't say what you're thinking. Because what you're thinking may be mean. But out of the kindness of your heart, you don't say so. Or kindness could be you praying for them. Kindness may be you giving them a gift. Kindness means you're, you're there to speak a kind word to them. And, and when we do that, don't we feel warm on the inside because we have shown kindness? Imagine living in a world with no kindness. Imagine what a dark and forlorn place that would be. No kindness from anyone well sadly there are people living in a in our world that lives in such a world as that there are people who are living in a world where there's no kindness sometimes it's of their own making it's because of the decisions they have made that they're living in a world with no kindness for others, it is a world that they have to live in due to relationships or circumstances. That there are a lot of children who grow up in homes where there is no kindness. There are spouses who live in homes where there is no kindness. There are people who work on jobs where there is no kindness. What a dark and forlorn world that is that they're living in. God doesn't want any of us to live in such a world as that. He does not want any of us to... To live without kindness. Therefore, he is the good shepherd. Always willing to show kindness to his sheep. Aren't you glad today that God has been kind to you? Aren't you glad that the good shepherd has shown his kindness to you? Where would we be without his kindness? Now, we need to live out that to others. We should be an example to others of God's kindness. We all, you all work with people who need to see kindness in action. You all have family members who need to see kindness in action. We all encounter people out in, the, in society that needs to see kindness in action. And we'll show kindness if we can remember. We're just dumb, defenseless, needy sheep. And the great shepherd, the good shepherd, continues to show kindness to us over and over and over. And so we should show kindness to others over and over and over. And through that kindness, we just may be able to speak into the hearts and lives of people that would lead them to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Wouldn't that be a great testimony? that our kindness towards them helped lead them to Christ. The good shepherd was kind to his sheep. The good shepherd is kind to his sheep. May we be kind to others.
Would you stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning?